0: Uh, John chapter number 6, if you will, please turn there. I failed to mention that we are starting men's softball coming up. How many of you uh, want to get injured this summer so you're out of whack for the rest of the day? A few guys signed up to do that, so we have men's softball coming up. If you're looking for some free entertainment, show up at Wesley Lynn Park through the, on Saturdays 5 and 630 Uh There'll be guys playing softball. The good thing about having softball on Saturday evening is you quickly, Sunday morning, you can get right with them and God, you know, and all that kind of good stuff, you know, just just, just, just a few hours later. So you don't have to hold on to that for a long time. And, you know, we have a good time with that, and that is coming up this summer. I looked on the list of names who, men who signed up, and if I'm not mistaken, I was the second oldest why is that funny? I don't know. <laughs> I was the second oldest signing up for sorry, to say vacation signing up for that would be a throne, uh signing up for men's softball, and so I'll see if I can make it through the how many quarters are there in, in softball? I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, I hope I make it through the first quarter. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, John chapter number six. Now you're probably wondering why are we turning to the book of John? Because that is not where we have been for the last few weeks. Well, I'll tell you here in a moment, um, I was asked to bring this message this morning through a conversation with our pastor, with Pastor Mutchler about probably six weeks ago, and, uh, and I'll share that with you here in just a moment of how that evolved, and, uh, but there's a, a great, uh, I believe all passages are great, but this is a great passage of scripture that I believe that we can learn from. And can help us this morning and challenge us with the future of this church. The future of this church depends on God's hand of blessing through a people who are wanting it to move forward for the cause of Christ. It will not happen just just on its own. And this morning I want to bring a message that will help us realize that. And kind of testimony-ish type thing for my life uh, being here as long as my wife and I have been here. And so we're at John chapter number 6. We're going to start reading in verse 5. It's not a lot of verses. Would you please stand if you're able? And we're going to... I'm going to read this, if you'll follow along, in your Bible. Verses 5 through um, five through 13. We are coming into this story where Jesus... He's uh, noticed a great... Group of people who have been following him. He's performed some miracles and uh, he notices a need that they have. You'll find in this passage of Scripture that there are multiple directions that someone could go in this passage, and you'll see the direction that I'm choosing to go here momentarily. But please look with me at verse 5 of chapter 6. And the Bible says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. And he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. One of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith to him, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was, about, or there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about five thousand. Verse 11, And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fish as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. This morning I want to help you with uh, this passage of Scripture, but it, it, it refers to most every time that you see Jesus and his disciples together. We're going to go to the Lord in a word of prayer And I want to help you with a message here this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for being our God. I want to thank you, Lord, for these people who have chosen to be here this morning. No one made them come. No one twisted any arms or did anything like that. These folks showed up because they wanted to. And I pray that you would please bless them this time. I want to use this time wisely. I pray that you would help me to present this message in such a way that it would be a challenge and a help and a encouragement to your people. I pray, God, that you would help us to give our full attention to what your word is teaching us here today. I pray, God, that you would do a great work in the lives of these people. They have many things going on in their world and they need your direction in all of it. And I pray that you would provide that in each and every way. Thank you for this time together. I pray that you would bless it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We see here in this passage, John chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, Jesus is working with his disciples, and he's looking to meet a need. And, matter of fact, we see all throughout the Gospels where Jesus is doing this. With his disciples, he has them uh, in a setting... Where amazing things take place. Now, there's we've seen we read stories in the Bible where Jesus is with his disciples, and uh, he's uh, healing someone, or he's uh, bringing in a draught of fish, or he's doing different things, but he's including his disciples in this event, in this situation. In this passage of scripture, there's so many things that we could. Pull out from it and create a message from. Um, we see Jesus' compassion, and we learn that boy, that'd be a good uh, characteristic for us to have continually in our life. Amen. Uh, compassion. We see Jesus uh, taking the lunch of a lad, a young man, and this lunch that was prepared for one person, and we see Jesus taking that bit of food, that that lunch. And feeding over five thousand people with it in this script in this passage, it tells us there was five hundred men. We know there was a young lad, so we would say there 's five hundred or five thousand excuse me five thousand men plus women and children. There had to be a lot of people who needed a lot of food we We could bring a message on you know what little bit you have, give it to God, and he can he can make it more than you could ever think I mean, and it would be a very. I think productive and helpful message. That's not the direction that we're going in this morning, but it could be pulled from this passage. Uh, we're excited to see that when Jesus created this opportunity to feed these people, that afterwards, how many basketfuls were left over? Twelve. Well, that's pretty amazing. He not only took care; he more than met the need. Boy, that'd be a message to preach. That's been the history of our church here at Grandview Baptist Church. He's more than met the needs that have come throughout the history of this ministry, and we're thankful for that. That would be a direction someone could go. But that's not the direction that I'm going this morning. I want you to see here in this passage that there's something in this passage and in other settings where Jesus is with His disciples that He does on purpose. And here's what it is. Jesus was constantly creating an environment where the disciples could have the opportunity to be a part of doing something that they would have never done on their own. Jesus was creating an environment where the disciples would have the opportunity to do something and be a part of something that they would have never done done on their own can you imagine that that evening after jesus fed all these thousands of people and all the food that was left over can you imagine the scripture doesn't get into detail on this but can you imagine that maybe at least one of the disciples is kind of kicking back for the evening and he's rethinking about what jesus did and he's thinking about wow i can't believe that happened i mean. I saw the food that was there. I saw that lad's lunch, and and I saw these thousands of people, and I I I saw what, and I doubted. I was the one that said we don't have enough money to pay for this. You know, sometimes we give the disciples a hard time, don't we? But if we are transparent, we can be similar in our responses to the Savior. Well, I don't. uh, We don't have enough money to feed all these people, Jesus. What are you thinking? Well, I, or he could have been the disciple and said, There's not enough food here. How are you going to make this happen? But that disciple's lying down that evening, possibly thinking, But I was just a part of something that I could have never done on my own. And can you imagine just relishing in that moment? Have you ever had God do something great in your life? And you just kind of sit back and you think on it a while and you think, wow, that's amazing. I, I, it's, it's not that you don't want to say, I can't believe that happened because you do believe it. But it's almost like, I, I, I can't figure this out. I did not have a solution. There was no answer as far as I was concerned. But God did it. And I'm so glad that I was a part of it. Um, we see Jesus setting this environment. For his disciples. A few weeks ago, uh, probably about six weeks or so ago, Pastor and I, Pastor muchler and I were, uh, we attend the Oregon City Chamber of Commerce meetings on Wednesday mornings. That meeting is made up of different uh, business owners, uh, maybe a few leaders in the community, whatnot. When we started coming, there were probably three or four church representatives that come, which were usually the pastors of those churches, and we got to know a lot of different people. Right now, we're the only church uh, that shows up for those meetings. And so God has created a wonderful connection uh, with our pastor and those people. He prays for them and, and we pray for them. And it's just, it's just been a, a great connection. Uh, after that meeting, we... Well, I, started, I said we... Uh, pastor felt led to stop at McDonald's. Um, and get a sausage egg McMuffin. Now... I try to be loyal to my leadership. And you know, you've got to let me finish first. You know to... And he said, would you like to join me with a sausage egg McMuffin? I'm buying. I said, sure. <laughs> you know, some things you don't have to pray about. God just gives it to you right away. And he gave it to me and I responded. I'm glad I did. Usually, we would go through the drive-thru, and we'd grab it and eat on the way back to the church. But they were open inside, finally. And he said, hey, let's, let's go in and just sit down and talk a little bit and eat, eat our food. Okay. So we went into the McDonald's restaurant there, and we got our food. And we didn't schedule this. We didn't. This was not on our agenda to have this type of a conversation uh, in this setting, necessarily. It just kind of lent itself to it. We were there enjoying our food, and uh, we began to talk about ministry. Now, that's a lot of what we talk about, because that's what we do, but we began to think back on some of the wonderful things that God has done through the avenue of Grandview Baptist Church, and, you know, I might mention one, and and then he would mention another, and then that spring a thought in my mind, you know how it is, you don't remember it all, but you know, someone says something about, oh, what about that time when we ran all those buses, you remember, and all those adults came, and, well, hey, I I remember that one. What about that time when we had over 2,000 people on property and cars were, you know, what, you know. And so we were just enjoying ourselves thinking back on some wonderful things that God had done. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. We don't live in the past We're still expecting God to do great things today, okay, and tomorrow and next year and the future of our ministry. But it is good sometimes for us individually just to remember how good God is and to think back on some of the blessings of the past and how He did this and, you know, all these people that we we call them big days. Well, it kind of depends on what the emphasis is. Sometimes we've had a big day where we had an attendance emphasis, Okay, we used to years ago have a have a, a day called pack a pew. Okay, and so we would in, encourage our church folks to invite their friends and family and in laws, outlaws. It didn't matter. Just invite them all, bring them to church. I remember I always packed my pew because I chose that one right up front. That, <laughs> and so uh, it was challenging for me, but I packed that pew every single time. I'm so proud of myself. That's the problem. Um, and we talked about uh, special events where our emphasis was on sharing the gospel. And, you know, you can't make somebody trust Jesus as their Savior, but you can sure enough tell them. You can make it clear and understandable, and if they so choose to do so. And we would share uh, stories of how uh, our church went out with this effort of sharing the gospel and saw, you know, hundreds of people trust Christ as their And we went on, we talked about special events there at that setting. We talked about big days that we had. We talked about outreach opportunities where we did things off property. And people in our church had opportunity to serve in ways they had never served before. We talked about trips that we've taken. And God used, a, used our, the efforts of the people in a great and mighty way, whether it be a missions trip, of which some of our people are on now, of which we're hearing that God is using them, and we're excited about that. But we're just we're just talking about different things. We we even talked about a few people that we know that God used through well, more than a few, a lot of people that God have used has used in our ministry through the years who've passed on and went to heaven. Well, I could start naming some names, but I'll forget them, and I don't want to leave anybody out. But just some wonderful people in this church who. Who, who had just served so great so wonderfully through many years before they went to heaven. And we were just, if you'll for, just kind of, forgive me for reminiscing just a little bit, but I'm doing this on purpose. We just kind of spent some time thinking about what God had been doing in our church. I want to tell you something, and I said this earlier. That doesn't come just because it just happened. See, God... Realizes there's a group of people who love him and want to serve him and want to make a difference, as the lady's saying, and I believe that 's where he 's willing to turn on the spigot of blessings and say that 's the kind of ministry not because we're anybody great or special or anything like we 've just opened up our hearts and minds and yielded to him to create an an environment where ministry is exciting. you know serving Jesus is a wonderful thing serving the, serving the Savior. Raising your family and, and uh, investing in the lives of other people is a wonderful thing. And so we were just talking about that kind of stuff. And I made a statement to him as we were talking. I said, you know, Pastor, I said, God has used you and this church to create an environment where I have been able to do things that I would never done on my own, I would have never done on my own. I remember when uh, my wife and I were hired here, and, and, and this leads me to why, why we're preaching this message this morning. In that conversation, as, as I shared some things with him about how God's worked in my life, he said, "You know you, you're preaching uh, the Sunday morning that we're gone to Honduras. You should put a message together and share that with our church people. I think that it would be helpful." And I said, okay. And so that's why I'm doing this. And so, he so you know he said it's kind of unique too because it's the month of June, and June is a special month for us because uh, June 26 years ago is when my wife and I pulled into town. Oh, it was an exciting time. Uh, moving truck, 26 foot moving truck. I had about that much space in the truck, and she. Well, anyway, I won't get into that. Just, that's not true. Uh, and we pulled in, driving across the country. We were excited, but we were we were a little, uh, what's the word, a little anxious too. I was hired to be the principal of Grandview Christian Academy and start a new young adult Sunday school class, of which I had done neither. Now, we were both trained and, and brought up well in great churches and wonderful environments. We went to Bible college and... Got great direction there. Ministry involvement, not just textbook stuff. We had a balance of both. We're thankful for that. But I'd still never principled a school, and I'd still never started a class from nothing. And so we're making our way out here to the Pacific Northwest, and we're excited, but we're also like, okay, you know, this is a this is a new thing for us. I remember when Pastor was talking to me about. Starting our young adult. Back, by the way, I still teach the class, um, but it's not called the Abundant Life Young Adult class anymore. Well, what part do you think I changed? It's still young adult. We just changed the main part. No, uh, it's called the Abundant Life Seasoned in Christ, Mature as a Believer. No, over the hill. No, I was kidding. Uh, but I remember when he was talking to me and kind of coaching me on how to do this, because he said, I'm going to create the environment for you. We're building a new building. That was when the educational building was new, was almost done. Beautiful classroom. Called it the fireside room. Beautiful, beautiful view of Mount Hood. That was great. He said, I'm going to create the environment. I'm going to, we're, we're building a beautiful building. Your, your class is going to be in this room. Beautiful, wonderful place. He said, but you're going to have to bring the people. Now, he said, anyone who's attending Sunday school right now is, is, you don't invite them to leave a class. Now, we didn't have that many Sunday schools. I think we had one or two back then, so don't get too impressed. But the idea was, those people weren't to be, hey, come over here to our class. We got biscuits and gravy today, you know what I'm saying? We did have that in class. And I do use that as a tool to get you to leave your class. No, I don't do that. Uh, and so, he said, you can't touch anybody else's, you know. And so, I basically went out with an environment that had been created for me and coaching and direction from our pastor and good people in our church and I went knocking on doors and I met people who were interested and I met people who weren't interested I'll never forget the first Sunday we started our class for some reason we started on July 4th weekend I have no idea why now I do know why because it was God and country day and we had a big deal going on on property and we thought well that might be a good You know, come to church on God and Country Day. We'll feed you. We'll give you this. We'll give you that. So, you know. But looking back, I'm like, why did I start a brand new class on a holiday weekend? I don't know. But I will tell you this. I remember pacing the sidewalk in front of the educational building. And I'd put together a lesson. It took me about 45 hours to put it together. Now, it took me about 10 minutes to teach it. Okay. Do you want me to reteach that in church? And then y'all can go home in just 10 minutes, right? And, uh... But I was pacing the I was pacing the sidewalk out in front of that building. Lord, who's you know? Somebody pull in. I think, oh, praise Jesus! And they used the parking lot to turn around and you know left again. I'm like, uh. And and so, uh, but someone would come and pull in the parking lot, and they would get out, and they would start walking my way. Well, all the other classes were that way. My class was this way. I was saying thank you, Jesus. That Sunday morning, we ended up with thirty three people in class. That was a wonderful thing. Hey, I'll tell you something else that was wonderful, Brother Cameron. The second Sunday, people came too. <laughs> it's great to have a wonderful grand opening, but I'll tell you, that second Sunday is even more of a burden. <laughs> it's like, are they going to come back? You know. Our pastor in this church created an environment where I had the opportunity to do things and be a part of doing things that I had never done before and I could have never done on my own. There's so many stories that I have prepared to share with you uh, this morning. I'm not going to share them all. I've shared some of them in other settings, maybe to illustrate a point in another message or something. I remember, I'll share a couple more before I get into my main points. Um, It was either our first weekend here or right soon into our, our being on staff, we had a big day, okay? Remember those big days? And we had brought a lot of people to church. Now, we were planned and prepared for a lot of people. One thing that we weren't quite prepared for that we weren't realizing would come was we did, uh, after doing all of our door knocking and evangelism, we had over a hundred Spanish-speaking people come to our service. And we weren't necessarily expecting that, though we did have some folks in our church who spoke Spanish, and so we, we were glad they came, obviously. And so basically what happened was the event was going on and I came down one hallway and the pastor came from the other direction and he's a little, I won't say frazzled, but he's a little like you can tell he needs something done and needs some help with doing it. And I, I said, well, what's going on? What can we help you? He goes, oh, I'm glad I found you. He goes, I need you to go over to the uh, uh, educational building. There's over 100 a, a Spanish-speaking people in one room and I need you to go preach to them. I said, me speaking no Spanish. (laughs) He said, you speaking no Spanish, you getting no paycheck. (laughs) I said, si, senor, you know. I'll figure it out. He goes, look, and some of you know uh, Blanca... Now it's Blanca Skags. It was Blanca Terrell back then, a wonderful Spanish lady, attends our 830 service. He goes, Look, there's a lady named Blanco. I didn't even you know, I'm new. And I she he said, There's a lady named Blanco over there. She's gonna help interpret for you. Have you ever have you ever interpreted? Have you ever talked through an interpreter? You ever done that? It's one thing to do this, which is it's a challenge, you know, it's, it's a one thing to preach. But it's another thing to, to say something and then have to wait for them to say it, and then not to have forgotten where you were in the conversation. <laughs> How many of you get easily distracted? Where was I? I don't know. where. I was. And, and, and so I have never done that. Oh, my goodness. I've never preached to a group of uh, Spanish-speaking people. I've never used an interpreter to do that. And I'm heading off to a building that I've been in a few times already. I just barely got here. But an environment was created where I had the opportunity to do something that I would have never done on my own. We went into that room. Now, I can't take any of the credit. I just figured Blanca preached to him, and she led them to the Lord, okay? I tried to muster up some stuff, and... You ever had an interpreter and you say, you know, Jesus loves you, and they say something for about two minutes? You know, Did I say all that? You know, God is good, and they spend three minutes. I think she added some to my message, which at that time I'm okay with. You know what I'm saying? We saw, we saw many of those Spanish-speaking people trust Christ as their Savior that morning. An opportunity to do something that I would have never done on my own. I'll share one more with you and I'm going to give you three points and help you here tonight, or this morning. Um, Several years ago, we pastor was promoting a missions trip and uh, now this was not my first missions trip. My first missions trip was making my way from North Carolina to Oregon (laughs) because everybody there thinks Oregon is another country. You know what I'm saying? And you probably feel the same way about the other side of the world, right? But anyway, uh, he was promoting a trip to the Philippines. You ever been to the Philippines? It was going to be a great trip. 17 days. 17 days. Five missionaries. We were to visit, help with ministry. It was quite a trip. And as he explained it, I thought, wow, this is going to be an amazing trip. I would really like to go. He said, folks, here's what we're going to get to do. You're not going to believe this because we can't even do this in our country. But we're going to get to go and be with a missionary. And the missionary is going to hold a big evangelistic service in public schools. And we're going to go and help the missionary. We're going to hand out things and we're going to maybe lead a few songs. But We're going to listen and learn from the missionary as he conducts these big evangelistic services in public high schools all over the place. I thought, wow, that sounds pretty cool. I, I, can't even come, I can't even go and do that where I live. I can't wait to go and do that. I'm really looking forward to helping them. How many of you, sound, how many of you think that sounds like a pretty good opportunity? Okay, well, I thought it was a pretty good opportunity. So I uh, signed up for the trip. It was time to go. We left for the Philippines. I had never been to the Philippines. I had never even finished reading the book of Philippines. I mean, I was so green, I did not know what to expect. All I knew, I'm telling you the gospel truth, all I knew was we were going to go help the missionary. I'm looking forward to doing that. I'll I'll can I can do that. I can soak it in. We get there late one night. It was hot, muggy. Now, we were excited about the trip, but we were very tired, and it had been pretty exhausting. And as we got into the motel... Pastor said, I want to meet with everyone in this small room over here before we uh, go to our rooms, and I want to discuss what's happening tomorrow. Okay, I'm looking forward to going to bed, actually, but all right, you know. And so, uh, we all meet in this little room, we're kind of crowded in there, and there's no air condition, it's muggy, we're ready to hit the sack, you know, and he pulls out a piece of paper like this, and he starts looking at it, he goes, well... This is our schedule for the next few days. I'm not going to go over all of it, but I do want to cover what's happening tomorrow. That sounds fair. We at least know what's going on tomorrow. And so he got out his pen, and he had this piece of paper. He goes, Now, tomorrow morning we are scheduled to be with a missionary at 8 a.m. at a public high school. And he got his pen out like he needed to write something down. I'm like, what does he got to write down? The schedule already tells what's happening. And he looked. He, then he looked up. If you ever see Pastor Mutchler with a piece of paper in his hand and a pen, and looking up, it means he needs something. It means you are getting ready to get blasted with something to do that you've never done in your life. You see, how do you know that? I've been here 26 years, that's how I know it. And so he takes out the piece of paper... He pulls out a pen, and instantly it hits me. We are not here to help the missionary. <laughs> I'm about to hear some news that's going to be pretty challenging. Eight o'clock, public high school. I hear there's over 500 students there. They're going to be in an open-air courtyard. He starts looking around, I start looking up. <laughs> All kinds of bugs in the Philippines It's not here in America. I was counting the bugs. He said, Brother Chris. <laughs> yes? Uh, I'm going to schedule you to preach that service. What? I mean, I brought a t-shirt to give the principal from Portland, you know, so maybe they would you know, think that's cool. Oh, my goodness. I went to my room and I thought, what in the world? How am I going to do that? I mean, I've never done that in my life. Went to bed, got up, had some thoughts together, a message, of course. Our messages were, of course, geared on the gospel and sharing the gospel and encouraging folks to trust Christ. Put the message together, got out of the van, walked up to this courtyard. Oh, my goodness. There were so many students there. It was amazing. And what did I do? Well, I stood up and preached to five over 500 students told him about the Savior, gave him an opportunity to get saved. Got back in our cars, we went back to our meeting place. Everyone began to test, give testimony. Well, I was over here and I noticed that in this section, there were this many that said they prayed and asked Jesus into their heart after hearing a clear presentation of the gospel. By the time they added it up, it was over 400 Now, there was no arm twisting. There was no manipulation. It was a clear presentation of the gospel and a free opportunity to choose or reject. I mean, I was given an opportunity to do something because there was an environment created so that I could do that. Jesus constantly did that with his disciples. This morning, I want to give you three things that must take place If we want to continue, and I say we, want to continue that type of environment in Grandview Baptist Church. That type of environment does not just happen. It happened in my life, and not only here in this church, but in the church that I grew up in, because there was a group of people who decided, I'm not going to just complain about the next generation coming up. I'm not just going to criticize them because I don't understand why they're doing all that stuff. I'm going to do my part in helping create an environment where that next generation will have the opportunity to do something they've never done for Christ. That is how I grew up. And I am so thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you something. Our next generation will not have that. If God working through us and us yielding to that and creating that atmosphere here, it will not continue... It's up to the people who decide that they care enough about the next generation. Hey, they're right on our heels. They're coming up right behind us. I can't believe I'm 50 years old. I can't believe my wife is eight years old. Did you get that? I hope not. You know what I'm doing now? I gleaned from that environment a long time. I'm working to provide that. I don't want to be a person who looks at the next generation and says, how stupid can you be? Even though I might think that once in a while. I want to be a part of a generation who realizes that if this thing about Christianity stays exciting and moving forward, it's because I'm choosing to create an environment where they get excited about serving Jesus. And by the way, that can happen. It has happened and it can continue to happen. But it takes people deciding, I'm going to to help create that. It was you, it was the church people when I grew up who helped create that environment for me. And we have an opportunity as a church to keep that moving forward. I'm going to give you three three quick things here and we're done. How can we keep that moving forward? First of all, we need a passion for ministry. A passion is a strong desire or devotion to something. A strong desire or devotion for something. This church did not get off the ground because a pastor and a group of people just kind of Just floated through, and just you know, didn't really put any effort or any passion into serving Jesus, and complained about how hard it is and how rough the journey is, and you know, woe is me, and all. No, no, that's not how. That's not how an environment was created here in this ministry where it became exciting to young people and gave them the opportunity of doing something they would have never done on their own. the the way that The way that this church got off the ground was because there was a pastor and a group of people who said, you know what? We care enough about the next generation. We're going to show them that serving Jesus is, is fun. And we're not, I'm not putting on a show. We're not putting a put on... We're going to, hey, serving Jesus is, is, is exciting. Serving Jesus is wonderful. My wife and I tried that with our own children. I grew up that way. She grew up that way. We weren't made to go to church. We got to go to church. There's a difference. We got to. It was, it was something we looked forward to. And we didn't have to ask if we were going or not. It was an environment that was created that pushed us out of our comfort zone. You ever been pushed out of your comfort zone to do something? Okay. Good. I've got to make sure I add that. All right. Okay. I have many times. I've shared just a couple. Oh, my goodness. I could spend the rest of the day. Not going to. On times through this ministry that has put me in an environment, created an environment where I was able to do something that I would have never done on my own. Oh, my goodness. But praise Jesus that thou had that environment. There's got to be a passion for ministry. You know, if we're not careful, we can settle in our passion for ministry. Uh, Paul told young Timothy. He told him. He said, "You know what? If you're going to have a passion, wherefore, first, second Timothy one six. Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting out of my hands. Stir it up. Sometimes if we're not careful, we get settled." We come to church, you know, we come to church, we leave. We come, And we're not involved in creating an environment that's exciting to the next group of people coming up behind us who have the legwork and the energy and the strength to do some mighty things for the cause of Christ. We have got to put in their hearts a desire to love Jesus It's not just a bunch of do's and don'ts, though there are some of those. It's about a relationship with the Savior where we love to do what we do. And we pass that on to the next generation. Paul said to young Timothy, stir up that gift. Don't lose the excitement of it. The prophet Jeremiah in chapter 20, verse 9, though he had quite a daunting task, if you know the book of Jeremiah, and it wasn't the most thrilling job, though God called him before he was even born... Chapter 1. Before he was even born, God called him. But in in verse 9 of chapter 20, we see Jeremiah. He says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more of his name. Wow. That's pretty amazing. In other words, Jeremiah saying, hang it. I'm done. This is crazy. They're rejecting me. I'm speaking truth, and I'm not getting any results. But I love the rest of that verse. It says, But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones. You ever, ever got a little frustrated maybe about something in the work of God, but there was still something inside of you that says, you can't quit. You can't stop. There, there, there's, there's something about serving Jesus that's a lifetime. And Jeremiah says, I love this phrase at the end, he says, and I could not stay. In other words, I can't stay there. I can't stay frustrated. I can't, I can't stay settled and not serving Jesus, even though I know I said what I just said. And he went back. To, and he went back at it. If we don't keep a passion for ministry, we are not going to create an environment where people want to serve Jesus and get excited about it. Next, not only is it a passion for ministry, but it's patience with men. How many of you, as we get a little older, we become a little less patient? Yeah, some of you were quick to raise your hand. Some of you, I know why you were quick to raise your hand. We do. We get a little impatient. How many of you say, you know what, I can do it. I can do it quick. I I, I can just do it and get this job done. I don't need to train and teach anyone else. How many of you can do something faster than you could do training someone else to do it? Okay. Uh, Okay. But do you see something here? If we don't start training and creating an environment where it's exciting to serve Jesus... And start, and start giving up our time for that. Then we're going to go off the scene. And there's not going to be any hands to put the ministry in. There's got to be a patience with men. There's a few stories I don't have time to share now. Where pastor in this church was very patient with me being young in the ministry as we first came here, learning things, doing something the wrong way, and then realizing, oh, that was the wrong way, you know. Uh, but very patient. I'm very thankful for that. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, when we refer to the next generation, people coming up behind us, when they make mistakes or do something that's kind of silly or dumb or whatever you want to call it, we've got to have patience with them. Jesus did. Jesus had patience with his disciples. That word patience means to calmly bear. He had great patience with his disciples. Here's what happened in this case Philip said, We don't have enough money. I know what you said, Jesus. I know you're a Son of God and everything. I know, yeah, yeah, but we don't have enough money. Can't do it. What did Andrew say? Andrew said, Well, there's some food here, but there's not enough to feed these people. It can't be done, Lord. No way. No way. No how. Won't happen. What Jesus say? Make them sit down. He was patient. He could have just blasted those guys, couldn't he? You guys, you don't even trust me. I, you, you tell everybody I'm the son of God and you can't even trust me. Have the people sit down. And what Jesus do? He blew them out of the water. He showed him what he could do. And he placed them in an environment where they had the opportunity to do something that they could have never done on their own. But you know what? He was patient with them. We're going to have to be patient with the next generation. We're going to have to realize they're not going to do everything right, or they're not doing that, they're going to do everything that... They're going to have to be told five or six times. How many of you had to be told five or six times from your parents? Or, you know, I did. They're going to have to be... There's going to have to be some patience there. And then lastly, what we don't get a whole lot of, and we should get more of, and what we should give more of is positive motivation. You can do this. I believe in you. You have within yourself, with God's leading, the ability to do some wonderful things for the cause of Christ. That type of statement that I just made up right there is what I grew up with. I grew up with people in the church telling me that and i would think really huh. i don't think i don't see that in me and and they didn't just say it to me they you know it was that it was that environment that was created where they cared enough about the young people to say hey serving jesus is great he's going to do a wonderful work in your life you can do this keep your eyes on the savior he's going to he's going to use you far greater than he's using us what did jesus tell his disciples let me tell you here real quick. Well, he's got it up on the screen. John 14:12, verily verily I say unto you, he that believeth on me the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father. Jesus is saying, I've done some wonderful things, but I want you to understand, there's going to be some great things that you're going to be doing too. You see, our next generation, if we're going to create, if we're going to keep this environment going where serving jesus is exciting it's not dull it's not a bore it's not a dread we're gonna to have to create an environment where there's some motivation there's some positive motivation you can do this hey, it's good to see you today i'm glad you're here hey i saw you in church you're sitting up listening paying attention hey that's awesome there's got to be some i had that did you guys have that were you brought up in? i had that kind of stuff whether we did or did not If we want to create an environment for the next generation, if we care anything about the work of God and its future, then there are some things that we must do in order to create that environment where our next generation coming up. And when I say next generation, I'm not—I'm talking about the 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 the, me when I when I'm talking about when I refer to me, I'm talking about the thirty-year-olds. I'm talking about the twenty-year-olds. Okay, I'm also talking about the teenagers, but I'm also talking about those that are just maybe 20 years behind me, or, or 10 years behind me. We are going to have to continue to be passionate about the Savior, about ministry. We're going to have to continue to be patient with them as we guide. The pastor was so patient with me. We're going to have to have a positive motivation that says, you can do this. I'm praying for you. I believe in God, and I know He'll use you in a great way. Now get out there and do something for Him. I'm telling you what, that type of environment is what I had. And that type of environment is what we need to continue in this ministry so that we can see God do some miraculous things. That's what Jesus did. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I just want to ask you a question this morning. This is a basic message. How many of you just say, by an upraised hand, I want to be a part of creating an environment where the next generation has the opportunity to do things for God that they could have never done on their own? Simple question. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. How many of you would join me with an uplifted hand saying, I want to do my part in making that happen? The future of this church stands On the people who decide, I want to do that. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching on live stream and you do not know for sure. Thank you, you can put your hands down. You do not know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. Jesus paid for our sin debt. He paid and will forgive us. We don't have to spend eternity in an awful place called hell. We can go to heaven and be with Him forever. But we must trust Him as our Savior. We must realize we're a sinner. We must realize that He paid that sin debt and only He alone can forgive it. And we must trust Him. Whether you're seated here at this auditorium or listening on our live stream, you're here and you say, I don't know that for sure. I'd love to give you an opportunity. Now, it's not just a few sentences that magically end you up in heaven. It's you meaning these words in your own heart. But I'd love to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be your Savior today. Would you pray this with me if you mean it in your own heart? Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I know because of my sin I deserve an awful place called hell. But I trust in you to forgive me and to give me a home in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Lord, I thank you for these people who are here today. I thank you for their attentiveness and their desire to to follow you closer. I pray that you would help us as we work to continue creating this exciting environment of where serving Jesus is just an awesome thing. We're standing to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I don't know what the needs are this morning, but as the piano plays, would you speak to the Lord about what He's speaking to you about? It may have nothing to do with this message. It may have everything to do with this message. Whatever the case is, would you please make a decision for the Lord, whether it's coming down to an altar or there as you stand. Lord, help me to be a part of creating an environment so that the next generation can be a part of doing something they would have never done on their own. It could be that the Lord has prompted you to follow Him in believers' baptism. You've trusted Jesus as your Savior. Baptism is a symbol that lets everybody else know that you've done that. It could be that you are deciding from the Lord's prompting to join Grandview Baptist Church. You've been saved, baptized, and you're interested in membership. Whatever the case is, we give you an opportunity to make a decision here briefly this morning.